Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University. My name is Jared Piles and with me is Dr. Rob McDowell. We are continuing our series on the back to basics to help you with your instruction, to help prepare you for those, either the, the first semester or the 700th semester that you're teaching and whichever one it is, we're here to help you with every step of the way. We've been talking about objectives and assessments and instructional management, and now we're on to the topic of communication. And we thought, who better to have on but the number one communicator that I know, Mr. Jim Leitenheimer. Exactly. Mr. Leitenheimer, thank you for joining us. I am honored. I'm sure you are. We are going to Your have face a... doesn't say it. I thought with your introduction, you said that you were building up this person you were bringing. I thought you were going to say he wasn't available, so... <laughs> oh, that would have been great. We had Jim Leitenheimer. Yeah. That's okay. Dr. Schultz will be in later uh, on another episode. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, we're thankful. Seriously, though, we're thankful you're here. We're talking about communication and... When I think about communication, thinking about it, not just in the classroom, but online, because we talked about instructional management last time and, you know, hybrid, which we all faced, right, during COVID. So there was that. So as we talk about those things, we just wanted to get your perspective, ask you some questions, um, maybe provide some really good tidbits for our listeners especially our faculty who are getting ready to start or may have already started their course. So uh, when I think about communication, I think about the person giving it and the person receiving it. I also think about the context, the content, the tone, the timing of it, and then the medium in which I'm using. So right now we're using audio, but a lot of times you're using text. Sometimes you're using audio and visuals if you're in a classroom. So those are kind of the extreme basics. Am I missing anything? I think you're good. Sounds good to me. All right. So as we go into the classroom setting, whether it be online, I think most of your experience has been face-to-face. Yes. So what do you do when you're setting up your class? How do you arrange your communication? What do you think about? Well, one of the things that's been important for me in the last few years is making sure that um, when I communicate with students, I'm using the channels that they are used to using. You know, sometimes we assume I'll send them an email. Well, you know what? I don't think a lot of students ever touch email. Mm. So a question I ask sometimes at the beginning of class or in other meetings with students in uh, co-curricular groups is, you know, how can I best get in touch with you? You know, now you can't customize that if you're, if you've got a class of 300 students. Right. But in general, just to know where students are at and what the best channel of communication would be with them. Okay. I think we take things for granted and we can direct them to email, but I'm not convinced that always works very well. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point because they've got Canvas messages they can check. They've got texts. Um, some of them prefer Discord or some sort of other uh, third-party communication that's completely outside of education. So I think that's important to keep in mind is – knowing your students and figuring out how best to communicate with them. It's in those messages. So 
So I think that's a really good start to the conversation. And while you were talking, something that also came through my mind is a scenario that probably many have had. You've started your course. You've told students what to expect. You've been what you believe is very clear. You've sent it at the right time. You've also put it in the right channel. And all of a sudden, it's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. You're finishing up grading, and you get this blast of an email from a student who is irate over your feedback on a course. How do you receive that? What process do you go through in your mind in terms of your response? What would you say to a faculty member? First thing, praise the Lord they actually read feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not convinced that always happens. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, You know, you grade five assignments and they get the same scores on every element on the rubric every time. I'm convinced oftentimes because they never read the feedback. They could have made a few changes mm. after the first experience and bettered their situation, you know, their their performance dramatically. In terms of, of how else I would respond, um, I think I would take the students back to, you know, the description of the assignment. You know, let's walk back through this and see what you were directed to do, mm-hmm. what the steps were, what the expected outcome was. Uh, and then look at the rubric. You know, again, I'm not convinced. I, I instruct them, uh, my students in the syllabus, to check the rubrics. You know, know what the mm. target is right. <laughs> before you launch an assignment. Uh, you might have a chance of hitting it, a much better chance of hitting it if you know what it is. Again, I'm not convinced that's always happening. But I think I'd start there, send them back to those things and and, and walk through those I think something else that's very important is not to take it for granted. You know, we have students refer to the first days of class as syllabus day, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's syllabus day. They're going to just talk about the syllabus. Well, I think it's a really important day to look them in the eye and go through things that are important. Uh, Policies like there will be no late work accepted. Mm -hmm. You know, um, walking through those things and then reminding them periodically about those things in class, face-to-face, when you've got a higher expectation they're actually going to receive it. I think a lot of times we assume, or I said that once, why don't you remember it? And I think sometimes we can, we can do that, especially when it comes to rubrics and such. Well, the rubric is there. Yeah. You can point them to it at least once. But I think it's important to, with humility, because sometimes it yes. can be super frustrating to be like, I already told you this. I said this yesterday. To just kind of stop and go, oh, okay, got to keep this in mind. They have other things going on, you know. Well, and I think humility is important. <laughs> I may have made a mistake, a misstep. I may have thought I communicated something clearly when I, evidence would support maybe I did not. Uh, so humility is important. I think it's also important to, um, to walk students. One of the things that I need to do a better job of, as an example, is to play them assignments from previous semesters and show them the rubric for that student, all anonymously, of course, names blacked mm, out, right. uh, no reference so that they can't tag it uh, to a particular person, but say, hey, here's what a score on the rubric like this, here's what it sounds like, or here's what it looks like. 
this is how you would navigate this successfully. For mm. some people, you talked about picking a method. Uh, you know, words. Not everybody can take the words from the page. Mm. You know, some people need to hear it. Yeah. Some people need to see it. And I realize not everybody has the luxury of of having a class of just fifteen people or twenty or twenty five. Mm-hmm. You may have three hundred students. Right. <laughs> that gets to be well. It's impossible. You, you know, how do you personalize? Uh, assess 300 different people and and tune to them, but where you have the opportunity. And I think uh, in the last episode when you were referring to simple questionnaire, you know, mm-hmm. ask people, how do you learn? What are your challenges? You know, or maybe even in the middle of the term, what's working, what's not working? Help me out. Yeah. I think those things could be helpful. I think a lot of students don't even take into consideration how they learn too. So I think communicating with them and helping them to explore that I think is important as well because then they can communicate back to the instructor, to you, or further instructors say, hey, I really learn best doing this. Um, or I emails, I, I never check my email. I don't know how to get into my Cedarville email. I've lost my password, whatever it is. So I think Canvas probably works best for me or sending me a text or something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that, um, communicating with students giving them the freedom to feel like they can approach you on something. Say, hey, if you're having a problem with something, you know, please send me an email, stop by my office, catch me after class, and we'll try to find a way to help you on this particular issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Creating an open dialogue with your students is important. Yeah. Yeah. In preparation for this particular podcast episode, there were three Bible verses that uh, came to mind. So I'm going to... Uh, read them for you, and I'd like to get your response or your reflection from your perspective and just your knowledge of communication as well as using it as a as a teacher. So the first one's Proverbs 18.21, and it states that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Uh, my first impression there, it speaks to me as a, as a professor and instructor. <laughs> We do have the power uh, with what we say, whether that's in class or maybe even more so uh, when we give them written feedback mm-hmm. in a rubric or something. We have the opportunity to build them up, you know, or we could write it in such a way that we could be perceived as, as tearing them down, you know, mm-hmm. and beating them down. Um, so I think we have to. Look for ways, you know, in the situation. Okay, here, here are issues that need to be dealt with. These are the reasons you didn't score well on this particular item. But here are some things you did well, and here are some things, you know, here's hope for moving forward. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes into the next verse that I'm going to speak, and then you can, you know, reflect on it. Ecclesiastes 3.7, a time to tear a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. I thought that was also a very good verse in terms of communication. Uh, And communication in the classroom, communication to students, and it kind of gets a nuance of what I think you were just wrestling with there. And your response was this idea of how much to tear down and how much to build up. How would you you know, help listeners understand that balance or, or how you've managed that or 
attempted to manage it? I think it can be a really difficult thing because I think it ideally would involve assessing where are the students at, and that would require you to know the student. Hopefully you get to know the student well enough that you can kind of gauge how much <laughs> um, to lay on them at a given time, mm. you know. Um, but again, there's a season for hard truth. Right. You know, um, have you thought that maybe this is not your strength? Mm. Mm. Uh, I had a student, brilliant student. This is years and years and years ago. And she had no technical aptitude whatsoever. That no other way to say it. She had no aptitude technically, but she was a brilliant writer. And I had forgotten this interaction, but she shared with me years later. She's now a New York Times bestselling author. She shared with me, <laughs> she shared with me years later how important that moment was to help her accept the fact that, you know, and that it was okay that technical skills are are, are not some of her gifts. And the appreciation for saying, you know, I, I guess I said to her, have you ever considered writing, you mm. know, generating content for people to produce, you know, and that's what, that's what the Lord's done there. So I, I think there is a time for, for hard truth. Sometimes you, you have to do that. Hopefully we speak the truth in love mm. with their best interest in mind. And again, not crush them. Um, yeah. People can't see your your face. I can see your face, but I see the tension and I see the angst, even in, as you answer that, as you relive that, I think that was, uh, extremely helpful. And hopefully we can get that across the audience that this isn't an easy thing. There is no formula. I, I would say, but humility, I think you mentioned humility, um, and a willingness to serve. And sometimes that willingness to serve means saying, hard things that are true, but you say them in a way and you deliver them in a way that's not crushing. You know, does that sum it up? Yes, I think so. I think that can be, if I can add another verse to the stack, and I think he's familiar with this one because it's more than I am, but Ephesians 4.29. Yes. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to those who listen. I know that by heart because that's the station verse here on campus for the student radio station. So why don't you speak to that one? Ephesians 4.29? Yes, sir. That's a great verse. Well, I think it's pretty self-evident. Uh, oh, okay. Well, never mind. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Moving on. It is about building others up, a couple parts to it. Um, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That mm. You have to assess that. You know? mm. How do you know? How do you know what their need is? You, that implies that you need to take the time to know where the student's at, even if it is a large, large class. When there is one of those critical moments with a student, and maybe you get that angry phone call, so mm-hmm. let's meet tomorrow face to face and let's talk about this. So you can understand, I can understand where they're coming from, what their challenges are, and how to help them move forward. So, according to their needs, and then that it may benefit those that listen. Not about us. It's about benefiting uh, others. You mentioned large classes. You've mentioned yeah. it a couple of times. I was just wondering if you would speak to how would you? You're given a class three hundred. Let's just say there's three hundred students. How would you first go about trying to figure out how to accomplish some of these things, like Ephesians four twenty nine? What would be your process in trying to figure that out? 
monumental task. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't imagine because I've never had a class that size. Okay. I never will. Uh, <laughs> most I've probably ever had in a class is 40 people. Mm-hmm. So how did you handle it there? One of the things I've done in larger classes like that is, for instance, in audio class, individual studio sessions with students. 15 minutes in there, working with a particular piece of software. You can get to know people a little bit in that environment, and they can ask questions they wouldn't feel comfortable asking in class. But again, 40 times 15 minutes, (laughs) that's 10 hours of your life. Um, Was it worth it? Oh, I think so. I think so, but... That's 40 people, you know, 300 people. I don't know. I don't know how that applies. I, one of the things perhaps that, that Jared shared, I've referenced it a couple of times now, but the whole idea of asking them, you know, what's your style of learning, mm. you know, and, and trying to customize semester to semester, you may get 13 different lines of thinking out of those 300 people. I don't know that it's possible to meet them all, but you can kind of find out maybe some middle ground in terms of helping people, you know, finding the best approach, one that works well for the most people possible. Humility, again, that's been mentioned a couple of times. Um, just admitting the challenge, you know, it's mm-hmm. 300 people. I want to help you. I want to get to know you. Uh, if you feel your needs aren't being met here, come to me early. Mm-hmm. You know, let's meet. Let's talk about it. Uh, again, letting students know you, you don't feel like you have all the answers and one size doesn't fit all. And if we can help uh, approach us, we'd like to do that. Right. I think that would be helpful. One thing I did, again, it wasn't a large class, but a year ago we had a new studio and we didn't have time to kind of proof it before the semester, just the way things rolled out. And the studio situation wasn't great. So I surveyed the students at the end of the semester. How did this studio work for you? What needs to happen here? You know, what worked, what didn't work? We're making changes. Sean is making changes to the studio heading into this semester to come more into line with what students felt would be useful. Mm. Uh, Ergonomically, in terms of hardware and software, uh, all of those elements just to make it the best experience since the students spend so much time in that room. That's awesome. That goes right back to servant teaching. It does. I mean, that's where you're you're meeting the needs of the students by finding out what their needs are, and you're wanting to accommodate those things for them. I think that's great. Hearing you talk, Jared, and then also hearing you talk, Mr. L, it's, it's what I'm hearing is listen and then respond in a way that's helpful. But you have to provide opportunities for that. You have to make those clear and, and convince the students that you actually care what they have to say to you. Because there's nothing more frustrating for any single person is to say, I care about what you say. How do you convince students that you care about what they have to say? Stare at them in the face and go, I care. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> yeah. I look at each one of them. Right in the eyes. Right in the eyeballs. I care. (laughs) Online, right in the eyeballs. (laughs) I think it's important to prepare our hearts to care. Mm. And I mean, there are a lot of people on our campus and many campuses that are overloaded. They don't, you know, it would be hard to come up at times. You know, you're Mm. tired, you're fatigued, you're overburdened. Um, I know there are people like that on, on campus, but to ask God to give you the ability to care, to give mm. you the spirit to care, and then to express it. I mean, 
You can write it in your syllabus, whether they read it or not. Syllabus day, it's there. You can read it to them. So I care. Uh, <laughs> but then just periodically, again, being humble and saying, hey, if something's not working out here, or if you have an interaction with a student on an assignment, hey, well, let's meet and talk about this and we'll see what we can do to modify uh, the way we're doing things, the way we're trying to do things. Mm. And again, just be, be willing to do that. Wow. It seems like he's saying, start communicating with the creator. Mm. Start communicating with the creator, then you can communicate with your students. I mean, I think that's... That's where our power comes from to do anything, right? Amen. Yeah. It'll be evident to your students if you do that as well. It'll come through you naturally. The more time you spend with the Creator. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you were saying, you should pray about this. I don't have it within me Mm. to be what I need to be. Mm. (laughs) You know, uh, I I need the help uh, that comes from Him, (laughs) you know to do the task that we have before us. I think that's a great communication strategy. (laughs) It is, yeah. We're so happy you joined us. Yeah, my privilege. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you want to send us an email and have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Be sure to join us for our coffee drops that drop at random times during the week. And thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.